Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KBEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. All right, everyone. Welcome. It is. Man, it's October 7th, huh? Sometimes when yeah, I'm... Uh, already October 7th. It hit me this morning. I was mm-hmm. turning off a broad over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... Every week that I come here, it just reminds me that it's been another week. It feels kind of feels like Groundhog's Week sometimes. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know? Okay. You know what I mean? Just repeat. Repeat? R- rinse and repeat. <laughs> okay. So here we are. Wow. Yeah. You know, you, I feel like you don't know what I mean. Like where you just, you're going through the same. Oh, the like same the, cycle. Just so similar. You, it's almost like you're on a loop. Yeah. I, I'm going to be taking a day off from you guys. Well, just, just so you know. When? About two weeks. Who's going to sit in? Greg. Where are you going? I'm gonna go to. I, I got. I actually scored some tickets to Disneyland through the station here. What? I yeah. thought employees can't win. Uh, well, I didn't win. They just said, <laughs> "Hey, who wants some tickets?" I actually just, yeah. Nice. Disneyland can be very cool to me sometimes. That's awesome. So yeah, I'm gonna go. Good for you. Yeah, the happiest place on earth. Yeah, and uh, I've been there. I've been. <laughs> it makes there. you a whole lot happier when you have to pay the admission charge. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, so yeah. Tom and Becky were talking this week about some Disneyland ticket giveaway thing. Mm-hmm. Somehow they were saying it was like a, I don't know, some kind of $700 savings or something mm-hmm. for four tickets. And I was like, uh, wow. It's a lot. Yeah, but the people keep showing up. They do. Place stays packed. Yeah. I think it is the best one still, so the amusement park, but. Um, yeah, but it, but yeah, there's other ones that are getting comfortable. They're pretty good. So, hmm. Yeah. Well, good. it's nice though because like you know I'm gonna I've been you know I was at Knott's Berry Farm last year, mm. and it's like fifty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. So, but yeah, well, I good. was able to score some tickets. So I'm gonna go have some fun. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Let your hair yeah. down a little. That's right. Are you gonna wear your gonna cowboy boots to Disneyland? Hair. Uh yeah probably that's not gonna work. <laughs> not, I could do it I guess, but uh, it's not good for having. And it's like but loaded myself onto Space Mountain and wearing cowboy boots. I don't know. Right. <laughs> well, have fun, Jim. We'll miss. Yeah, you. it's gonna be fun. We'll miss yeah. you. Yeah. Well, so another exciting week in the books, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to tell you. Well, I have a good spot. Yeah? Yeah. You know that there's some new development going on in downtown Slow. You've seen those, what are they, row homes, town homes, the San Francisco style 
um, townhome. I don't know. Are they townhomes? Are you talking the, the ones, ones on, on Mars Street? Those are nice. Oh, the brown. Are they the brown? Stones? The brown stones. That's what they're called. Yeah. Row and house. then right, right down, right across. That's um, an attached pod, right? Yeah. Right across Santa Rosa from there, there was a commercial building, the old Heritage Oaks Bank branch. Oh. Ooh. That got redeveloped into a mixed-use building. They're in trouble this And week. now it's like all over everywhere, all over in the newspaper, social media, that everybody's talking about this, the, the color of yeah. the building and, you know, that it, it doesn't comply with the architectural review um, approved color scheme. Yeah, supposed to be two different shades. There's one, there's like a wooden portion of the building, and then one three-story dark gray portion of the building. And I guess that three-story portion was supposed to be a two-tone, two lighter gray colors. <clears throat> and so now they're getting a lot of heat to redo it. This might surprise you. Yeah, I have some thoughts about this. Yeah, number one, former city and regional plan. Uh, I'm not even putting that hat on yet. I want to tell you just like as a <clears throat> as a dude in slow. Yeah. Killer building. Way better than what was there, right? Holy smokes. That thing but was kind of... Even of yeah. all of the new construction that's happened down in slow, I mean, that wasn't just a facelift. They basically kept like Oh, they took that wall. thing down, yeah. They kept a wall and the footprint of that building. I remember um, watching them uh, jackhammer out the old vault, you right. know, because that's all big concrete right. structure. <clears throat> um, I ended up, I'm wildly impressed with the, the building. I think it turns out to look, and this was my thing actually, I think it was probably early in the week. So I don't know when I saw that news article, I think on Tuesday. So I want to say it was like Monday, but I pulled up to that light and I looked over there and I thought, man, that building looks good. It looks good in downtown. It's in terms of something that's added new. It's got that kind of modern look to it. It's got mm -hmm. the good. It's got like nice wood on one end. So I, I feel like they achieved a two tone look by virtue of like the gray, um, smooth stucco, and then the wood part of the building. I just think it looks great. Well, evidently, I'm not. Uh, I'm not part of the masses on that. Some people got upset that it looks bad. And so it went back to city council, and they decided that these guys need to repaint the building. So I was thinking, though, painting's pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah. How much do you think it costs to paint that building? 20 oh, grand? Oh, it's not cheap. Can't even. 30 grand? Yes, yeah, I don't know. A lot. It's a lot. Speaking of. Uh, they're, they're bumming, man. They're bumming for sure. Because it's just a a bunch of money that they, you know, and I wonder if they're going to have to repaint it or if they're going to be able to just bring another tone somehow, like through the trims. And the photo, around. by the way, on that, um, the Tribune article online that I saw, I felt like it was way darker in the photo than what I recall in person. In person, it just didn't feel like so dark. Yeah. So yeah, people complained, man. Did you know the term for the San Francisco row houses is called the painted ladies? The painted ladies, uh, yeah. There you are. Know. Yeah, there's the other term. <clears throat> Just a little trivia from the Mortgage Matters show here. Well, so here's the issue, though. I mean, you, you there's these there's this process that um, 
that buildings, new buildings have to go through. You know, they have, there is an architectural review process where they get to critique the design aesthetics, including color. And, oh, so, and right there on that corner, there's a few, there's a few things going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a handful of um, committees and, and bodies that have to agree to what you're going to do sure. there. And so if the builder doesn't comply with those, I mean, just because the final product is good, um, should it get a pass on that or should it have to comply with those rules? Because no, the, Dan, there's the yes. precedent being said, oh, well, if it's just a suggestion and not no. the rule, then other future projects will be able to. I'm guessing there's a little bit more than meets the eye to this one because there always is, right? It'll turn out that they, you know, something or other. There's a reason why it did what it did. Well, it sounded like the builders suggested that the process was very confusing and that led to the lack of compliance. Yeah, this this painting in a way that that causes this issue. And I mean, they must have gotten a... a final to be able to occupy it with it as is. So if it didn't meet some guidelines, shouldn't it have not been final? Well, and I'm guessing that people were probably starry eyed like me just going, man, that is cool. Good job guys. And then somebody else said, Hey, you didn't comply with the paint rules. And then, you know, that's like, Ooh, Hey, they didn't. So anyhow, there you go. What do you think about that in general? What? About downtown having rules about build your building, got to do the setbacks, the lot coverage, provide the parking, here's the height, here's the shape, we got to agree to the size and the look and the design and all the I things. I think having and- some uniformity with construction is nice, otherwise you end up with a, <clears throat> I don't know, you just, if you're mixing and matching too many design styles, it eclectic and weird i mean an eclectic can be cool but i don't know i mean i I understand the rationale i guess but i don't know getting so specific down to you know what tone of gray you can use and that kind of stuff that gets a little i mean i don't personally care about that level of detail anyway so yeah you know i mean as long as it looks good i'm i'm more about the functionality and the you know, the general appeal of the building. I don't care about, you know, if it was cloud gray versus, you know, rainy day gray. So is that the, is the end (laughs) issue that it needs to be painted? The paint needs to be two tone paint or is it too dark of a gray? Both. Oh, both were the issue. Yeah. It sounds like the balcony or stairwell portions. Yeah. Sorry. Start Whoa. this party, Jim. Start <laughs> oh, this party. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds like the parts there's the main, you know, boxy structure and then there's the balconies and it sounds like the balconies were supposed to be a different paint color than the 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 primary structure, but then also the the two gray tones that were selected in that design process were supposed to both be lighter than the actual color ended up being. Bummer. That's kind of what I got out of that story too. So I see that, yeah. That's wild. 
But man, I think it sure did improve that corner. I really like um I like that building. I mean, it was vacant there for about a year or more since Heritage Jokes had moved right down a block or two. So, you know, it's just nice to see that that corner back in business. I yeah. More than anything. Well, and if you think about it too, like um well, I mean, we used to work pretty close there a while back, Yeah, you know, yeah. years and years ago. But think about how a lot of downtown has been changing and evolving, and there's been a lot of infill development projects that are pretty cool. We were at uh, Woodstock's last week, and um, thinking back to what, you know, and I'm there's people that have been in slow so much longer than me, but yeah. remember across the street was the parking lot, and there was... Out in front of McCarthy's. Yeah, and, back when Moe's was over yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, it's like it's it's changed a lot, and sure. the government buildings, and now... You know, the Shell Station property that's been yeah. taken out and all that. It's just you're seeing all of that stuff all change and move along. And, I mean, I suppose it's good that we have some a real vision and you got to follow the rules. And I also like that if the the rules weren't followed, that there's enforcement that can, that can force compliance. At the same time, I hate to believe that um, a convoluted process or unclear guidelines or, you know... God forbid we're going to find out that like, well, that was approved that way. Yeah. And and it was because, you know, whoever at those first meetings or whatever just failed to comply. I feel like the rest of the story will come out, but it's hard for me to believe that the renderings and like the guys that ultimately signed off on the, on the final design said, all right, well, that's the color, that's the wood and you're good to go. And it turns out that it was not, they weren't told then that what they were proposing would be problematic, you know? Yeah, and I mean, so, it's going to be an expensive fix if they are, in fact, is. required to fix it. And there's a lot of things in town that, um, you know, I, I think I shared this before, but I, I just served on um, the Chamber's Economic Development Committee, and we had a lot of joint meetings with the Housing Task Force, and you know, talking about all these things in slow and about how to bring affordable housing and keep things in slow, like without losing what slow is and looks like and feels like when you're using it downtown. But, um, you know, and it's, it's hard, it's confusing. The process is long and it's cumbersome. There's a lot of, there was a lot of developers that were in and around that um, group that were, you know, kind of sharing their experiences and concerns, but, you know, several of them actually serve on the committees too. And those were things that they said is like, you know, it's difficult because you go look at what the height is and then, you know, the, there's the downtown corridor and these different things. And, and so then you'd go in there and propose something and, you know, start investing time and understanding the process only to find out that, um, because of all of the different requirements, the project starts getting scaled back, you know, oh, it can't be that tall, even though, yeah, we know it says that, but that's really supposed to be an architectural feature. So now you could drop the whole building, you know, 10 feet, which might get rid of a whole floor. And now you have to... Each story has to be set back like a layer cake. Yeah, wedding cake, the thing, yeah. you know, and so it just there's... It gets hard, and you know it, that becomes part of this broader conversation too about um, you know affordable housing and some of the challenges to affordable housing is that 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 
planning phase where you're going through design and you're trying to figure out how you, you know, kind of maximize square footage and usability of a of a lot only to keep being scaled back and spending more money and time. Back in, yeah, back and forth in that conceptual process. And so it just makes it really difficult. So that was, interestingly enough, those were things that we ended up as a committee were recurring themes is on most of these things that came back to, man, you just got to make it simpler. You got to have a clear, a clear path where it's well understood what, what's possible coming out of the gate and not that you learn these in these meetings and with plan review and with the, you know, the various, you know, architectural review might agree to something where the historical or whatever doesn't. And so, so is it, was the group suggesting that, you know, there's obviously there's a general plan and, and so that general plan will identify different, you know, zoning for, for different parts of the city or whatever. And there's some specific plans to downtown. And so, I mean, is there not enough, um, specific design criteria available to builders so that when they go present that first draft that it's got a high likelihood of getting approved because it's so clear is that they're saying that's not the environment i hope i hope that we have one of the developers listening today that (laughs) could call in and answer that question more specifically to you i've never been through the submitting end of that but some of those guys in your chamber group were yeah and, and they as they suggested um, you could go by the letter of what was outlined to you and submit it and then be redesigned multiple times in the process based on the different uh, approval process you have to go through where it's somewhat subjective and they could change things. And so, you know, one of the things that we were talking about specifically was about building height and um, you, for example, if, if you were allowed to build a 75 foot building and, you know, just kind of giving you a number here and then you, okay, well, that's what the zoning allows. And then you go in there. Um, there are spots where it could be that you don't get to go to 75. It's not just your right because it blocks a view corridor or it changes the architectural feel. The surrounding buildings aren't ready for that, all these different things. And so even though the zoning might permit it, you're going to be scaled back in what you're allowed to do in kind of a, a subjective way because of other factors that that carry in. So it's one of these things where, and that's good and bad, right? Where you're you're being told, well, no, you're not going to get to do exactly what it says because we're protecting a broader sense of place and a skyline and like a view corridor and all these things. However, if you're on the other end of that, um, you start end up hearing these developers talk about things like height by right. Like if I own this property or I'm redeveloping this property, this is my project. If it's the zoning says it can go 75 feet, then why shouldn't it be able to? Yeah. And perhaps, and this is one of the challenges is like when you, so let's say you're looking at a a single story building that's underdeveloped or maybe a two story building and it's potentially able to go to 75 feet. So you start wanting to develop that lot maybe it's a partnership maybe you're going to buy it but you're doing math about can you do a project here and get in and get out without losing the you know everything and the challenge is is that you stand in the street and stare at that thing and have got to worry that what you think is possible on that lot by letter of the law 
by the end of the day may not be what you're actually going to end up with there. And that that subjective process is one that causes um, concern. It, it causes some people to not want to get into those projects. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it also costs a lot of money. And so those are the things that make the carry cost of you know getting a, a conceptual project off the ground and up and running that will discourage a lot of people from wanting to do it in the beginning. It sounds like with this height issue specifically, like if if the zoning allows for 75 feet, but the, but the subjectivity that's injected during the review process says, yeah, maybe someday in the future, but not yet because the other surrounding buildings aren't ready for a 75 building, then isn't the general plan or the zoning then looking too far out into the future and needs to be adjusted to what's allowed today? I don't know. I mean, you tell me. But that's where you end up with, well, if you're going to go to the maximum height, what we really envision is that's an architectural feature. Well, so. why don't th- then that needs to be clearly outlined in this. <laughs> well, what's the maximum height of actual usable space versus what's the maximum height of architectural features? Yeah. You know, and I think just adding that kind of clarity to to this it helps someone decide if they want to even begin down a a path of a certain project or not and by the way i want to i want to point out to you too that not not at all the interest of picking on slow with this conversation came about about we got a builder that ultimately didn't comply with Oh, and i venture to guess you could insert pretty much any any, municipality name in there and it would be a similar situation i know and it's a tricky thing though because you know i think for the most part, and having come from that planning life, most of the planners are pretty into what they do. They love what they do. They they have a pride in where they are, and they're interested in creating um, one of those buzz terms, like I said earlier. It's called that sense of place, and it's that it's one of those things you talk about, like when you're talking about e- eclectic design and those kind of things. Um, when you're really trying to create and reinforce and foster a sense of place, there's a, there's a real pride to that. And I think San Luis does have it. And, um, and most of the people that live here agree too, right? Like you're like, Hey, you know, is San Luis doing it right in terms of, you know, protecting that, that what is San Luis brand. And as you cruise through town, especially if you think about what it looked like 20 years ago, um, yeah, it seems like they're, you know, and obviously it's not without challenges. We could talk more and more about how in the 20 years since we've been here, San Luis downtown used to be full of, you know, offices and little businesses, a lot of everything. And now it's turned into a restaurant row Yeah, with, you know, anchored by big, big retailers that are largely out of town anymore. Sure. So yeah, it's changed a little bit, but in terms of like the the building and design style and character and sense of place and stuff that they're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, but man, all of those projects too is it's like the newer it gets, the more it starts to get that edge where I was walking past those brownstones the other day and I'm going, I think there was a sold sign. How many of those are there? Seven it looks like or seven, eight, yeah. seven. I never think there was a sold sign on all, but one of them. Oh, wow. We pulled a flyer on, one of them had, you know, the flyer box, but there was the one in the front that was like intended to kind of stay in there. And then the, the stock of them were empty. So we pulled the one in the front just to look at it. And it was, I don't know, two point 
something million. So we like stepped back and I looked at it and there were some guys working. They're basically done now, right? It looks pretty. Some guys are working on them. And so we looked in the front door. Well, the front door looks like it has like a studio, like a kitchenette with a studio kind of at the ground level. And then I think the rest of your real unit. So it looks like, you know, part of the design is to have this sort of guest unit in the front. Uh, But we were thinking that is so much money. Starting to feel Santa Barbara-ish. When you're yeah. dropping in $2 million um, attached housing right at the edge of town, and um, it no just yard. gets snatched right up. Yeah. Pretty yeah. crazy. And then at the same time, I thought to myself, man, that was a um, that's a gutsy move. When you are <laughs> you were like laying that project out, and I... And I I think they did a good job too. I think Looks they really look nice. nice. Yeah. Um, they seem well made. Like I, I like how they're they're similar yet they're a little bit different. Um, I think it's mostly finishes, but yeah. anyhow, cool little project. And at the end of the day, I mean, if those seven units are worth two million bucks a piece, holy smokes, that was a fourteen million dollar plunk right there on that block. That's yeah. pretty impressive. The guts, huh? When you and and yeah. you had to wonder, is slow ready for this? It's not really any comps for that right in downtown. Slo. No, kind of crazy, but they did it. Yeah, they did it and sold them. I do. I think there was one that didn't yet say sold. You thinking about it? Not I. No, <laughs> no. Well, that'll be later in life when the right. kids are gone. You know, <laughs> then you'd have that. You could just walk right down to anything. Pretty slick. Yeah, it's right in the heart. <clears throat> All right, it's 9.31. I think it's time to take our first commercial break of the show. We'll be back after a little message from our sponsors here with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-396-08. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. That's a that's a little song choice from the late great Tom Petty. There you go, running down a dream. Yeah, that's a bummer. Kind of a bummer week this week, actually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah this week was a bummer. Mm-hmm. Really a bummer. Yeah. The um, of course the the Vegas shooting is. Yeah. wildly upsetting yes yeah and then the tom petty news yeah it's kind of a bummer week yeah tom petty yeah. was only 66 years old yeah and uh depending where you are on the age spectrum yeah i know it's like uh... some people say well that's just a baby yeah some people are like oh it's old but yeah. um you know, 66 is not old. No, not really. It's not. No. Nope. Sad. I, <laughs> one of the, I was talking with some friends the other day and somebody said they had heard and I didn't go look it up or know or whatever, but said, um, I just said, my comment was that Tom Petty was a prolific songwriter. Oh, he's a fantastic songwriter. Unbelievable. Um, I actually always thought his voice was just okay, mm-hmm. but his songwriting hey, yeah, is yeah. unreal. Yeah. And, you know, he, of course, wrote songs for others and sold songs. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, one of the guys that I was talking to said, yeah, I heard on the radio that, um, you know, almost one in three songs through some specific period were written by tom, tom petty. petty yeah man that's crazy he, he i know shaped, he shaped music for sure yeah he definitely did yeah and he's so, in the rock and roll hall of fame with the heartbreakers and stuff yeah. so he deserves that yeah what a bummer though yeah at least he left us with a soundtrack for life man you've got well, i was um, just looking at the soundtrack i mean running down a dream free falling i won't be back i won't back down uh end of the line you know, just tons, tons of music here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So there you go. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Handle with mm-hmm. care. The travel in libraries. Yeah. Just crazy stuff. Learning to fly. There's another one. Lots and lots. You could do that all day, really. Mm-hmm. And we'll wait. Go ahead. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about mortgages, probably. How about, I, I've been wanting to talk about this jobs report. Let's do it. Do you want to do it? Yeah. Well, hey. So yesterday morning, 
So I usually wake up in the morning and my way of like getting going with the world is I reach over to the nightstand and I grab my cell phone and I generally click like the first couple things is, you know, what's going on in the market? What's the big news? So I pulled out the old handy dandy phone knowing that it was the first Friday of the month. It will be jobs day. Let me tell you what I'm thinking, right, before I before the news article loads. Earlier in the week, I was reading this piece about how the, um, the economy had kind of braced itself for a jobs report that might not be great. Um, the economy had braced itself for about a um, 70,000 or so job gain. So something well off the path of what we've been doing year to date. Um, been averaging like 180 or something, yeah. 180,000. And so the idea was, um, you know, this one's not going to be great, you guys. And so I was expecting that Friday could be uh, an interesting day in the market. I was bracing myself for if the expectation was a 70,000 number, then we could get an 80, 90, or 100,000 reading, which would be a bummer. But the market would kind of celebrate it because it would beat expectations, right? That's what I was, I was worried that that's what could happen. So I wake up on Friday morning, I grab the cell phone, open up the browser, type it in, jobs report, hit go. And it says, the first headline says that the, the country lost jobs in September. So hang on a minute. What do you mean lost jobs? How's that possible? You said you said we were gonna get seventy thousand. What'd you lose? That's already pretty awful. It's like minus a hundred grand from what we've been averaging. Yeah. Um so anyhow, I kinda of started reading the article and I'm like, Okay, I understand that you lost, but um are you is this one of those tricky headlines where it was supposed to be hundred and twenty but it came in at ninety, so you're calling it a loss, though it's still technically a gain. We had a lot of confusing headlines like that in, in the financial news lately. Yeah. So anyhow, this doesn't make sense. I can't see what you're talking about. All you're saying is that you lost thirty three thousand jobs. What's the real thing? So I grab another news article, right? Ah, whatever. This I was like I'm like, oh, I'm stupid business insider. Just answer my question. How many jobs did we create? I don't care what you say we lost. Get to the next little article. The economy shed 33,000 jobs. Hey, hang on a minute. Everyone's going to go with this weird narrative? How many <laughs> did we make, though? I guess I'm still half asleep, right? You got to go, this is ridiculous. Then I go look at the actual Bureau of Labor Statistics number. Like, holy smokes, it's a minus number. So I kind of put my head back and I was thinking, whew, we're going to get good rates quick. You got a month here in 2017 at the, you know, basically the fourth quarter is going to open with a month of negative job growth. Like you actually really, not only did you not create the 70,000 lackluster jobs that you said you would, but the number published and it's a negative 33,000. I mean, we haven't had that in seven years, right? Really, seven years. Think about that last seven years. We haven't had a month where we were expecting a gain and got a negative. So I was like, huh, 
that's really, really interesting. Um, so right away, you got to go, well, what's the deal? Yeah. By the, what happened? Is it because of the hurricanes? natural disasters? Is it the hurricanes? I don't know. Um, the numbers were certainly blown around by the storms. That's a pun. You don't like it. <laughs> Not even a giggle. Jim's too busy in the music. To even Smiling on the inside. It's also a non-farm payroll. So when you think about those jobs, I mean, is it how much of that is impacted by what the storms would have been? And so, but that's the thing. I feel like if we were averaging 175,000 jobs a month, this one was expected to be disappointing at 100,000 less. Then it was 70,000. Then it was 100,000 lower than the disappointing expectation. That's like a yeah. That's like a two hundred plus thousand dollar absolute value of jobs. Like you, you really miss that. Um, so anyhow, really a, a shocking number. Um, and you know, there's a lot of manufacturing jobs in Texas and um, Corpus Christi, Houston. Um, there are places that are shut down due to damage or need to, you know, change like some of them, you remember some of those chemical plants and things like that, where they were choosing to shut down and like halt operations just to try to get their facility as safe as possible for the storm coming in. So maybe it, it takes a while to get, um, all of those things back on, on track, you know, but, um, food, and drinking establishments, you know, so this is like your hospitality bar and restaurant. They lost 105,000 jobs last month. Um, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the number of people not working because of bad weather jumped to 1.5 million. So you do, once you get into it, you start to understand the splash a little bit. I'm thinking back to the Fed remark, too, by the way, where they said that the these historically these storms don't really have a lasting impact on GDP, so um, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, the unemployment rate, though, did you see this number? The unemployment rate went to 4.2%. Hmm. Kind of wild. Yeah. Always funny when that gets better, even though the jobs numbers themselves don't look So good. the bond yield on this jobs report started going up for a while. Right in the morning, it started going up. It's exactly opposite what you would expect, right? After a terrible jobs report? Yeah. yeah. You tell expect me, that to go down. You would expect rates to improve. Tell me why. Well, it's just the it's the old negative bad news is good news when it comes to interest rates. Um, usually there's less less optimism that, you know, stocks are going to improve. And so money goes into a safer place. You know, there's less pressure on the Fed to make another rate change in December. So, you know, money in those in those instances of of negative news or or uncertainty about the future, you see money go to safe places where there's guaranteed yields, and that that is the bond market. You know, albeit low yields, at least they're guaranteed, and you start to see softness in the jobs market without really understanding why. That's a little that's concerning. That's 
makes investors uneasy. So you would expect that it would pull through and and you see some rate improvement. But this week, I think it was this week, we crossed we, we crossed that threshold that we've been talking about, which is the 10-year bond yield at 2.3%. And even in spite of a, a terrible jobs report that came out at the end of the week, we don't see, we see that resistance level at the 2.3%. It's not moving down below that now that it's crossed over. So right out of the gate early. So after these news articles, you know, I go over to the market, the the bond yields were up, which was (laughs) kind of baffling. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to dig into that and see why that happened. But also the tracker uh, for mortgage-backed securities was showing upward pressure on interest rates. And I'm thinking this is perfectly opposite. Well, what we found out as the day kind of wore on was that the the market, both the mortgage-backed securities market and the bond market started to calm back down um, and act more normally, which was relieving. Um, a couple of the articles I read were suggesting that at least part of the reason this jobs report wasn't devastating is that there was a pretty big bump in the hourly earnings number hmm. was anticipated at being plus 0.2% and it came in at plus 0.5%. Interesting. But let me let me just reiterate <clears throat> to you the part of the body of this that I summarized for you a minute ago. 105 what is it? A hundred, a hundred and five thousand jobs were lost because of the hurricane out of the um, hospitality that that food and drinking establishments number. One hundred and five thousand jobs lost that metric alone. Those are those low-paying jobs. So if you vacuum those out real quick, then you're going to see average hourly earnings bump up as the people that you know are being counted now have higher income than that of you know what is a bus boy or in, in a hostess and you know granted there are some jobs in the restaurant where you're not necessarily making that minimum wage number but a lot of those really are so that's an interesting one is now you're sitting here looking at this and as I'm watching the market kind of misbehave like you're not following the rules you're supposed to follow. This jobs report to me, like you said it nicely and eloquently, I'll say it straight up. That jobs report is scary. It's downright scary. It's a yeah, there's a storm, but um it was wildly under expectations and it you know, you hope that it's not the beginning of something broader or something deeper. Well, um, now that I'm understanding that hourly earnings were up so much, I start to look at it a little differently. Maybe this isn't such a negative jobs report, okay? (laughs) I'll bite. Here's why. If no, virtually no new jobs were added, I mean, in reality, 33,000 jobs are actually shed, but hourly earnings are up, does that just mean that we've reached maximum employment and that now employers are having to pay more to just get the existing employed population to move around to other to better paying jobs is that what's going on are we is this a sign of max employment a full employment maybe and now it's just now just employed people are shuffling around looking for a better job 
Maybe, but I got to draw your attention back to the fact that there was so many of those low-paying jobs were lost that that's going to... Does 100,000 jobs even move the needle when you... I mean, what's... There's 330, 40, 50 million people in the country. You know, how many people are working? What, good 200 million or so? 175. 175 million. Does 100,000 even move the needle? Hey, man, maybe you're the guy turning the market in the wrong direction here. It's your fault. You're the one trying to tell me that this glass is half full. Maybe I'm it is. I'm telling you it's half empty, Dan. Maybe the jobs glass is 100% full. Maybe it's <laughs> fully full, fully employed. Fully full, overfilled. Maybe it's filled to the rim. Perhaps. <clears throat> the employment gains averaged 249000 in the six months prior to the storm. Um, after New Orleans... Found itself underwater, gains average $76,000 over the next couple months before soaring to 341 in November 2005. So they're, they're able to say, you know, of course, historically, we see that the recovery is good after the storm. So anyhow, I feel like we do this a lot um, where we look at these months and uh, we say, well... We'll have to see what the broader trend is. And so, um, you know, we can look at some of these past storms like Katrina and see what happens. And uh, we can look at what we've been doing and what we think we're going to do. And by the way, this is interesting timing, too, because we're... um, Have you guys started putting up your Christmas decorations yet? (laughs) No, not yet. Did you buy any yet? Not quite yet, no. I still have the same ones from last year. They're still in the store. I mean, they're already in the store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably in September they were in the stores. Anyhow, we're getting close to where a lot of these retailers are going to start ramping up. And, um, you know, usually do see a little bump in hourly gains during this period, too. So um, hourly employment, you know, looking at all these different metrics, maybe we're heading just right into the sweet spot here. I have a feeling, Jason... Um, the November 1st, all the Halloween's gone and all the Christmas is up and ready to go. Yeah. I have a feeling. I bet you're right. <laughs> yeah. It'll magically disappear the evening of Halloween. <laughs> Usually after a bummer jobs report like that, as you talked a lot about the bonds, you know what happens to the stock market? Hmm. Well, same, same kind of thing. It's a little bit freaky. If you're, so it usually goes down. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're playing craps, you know, and you, you, the table's hot, the jobs are hot, they're rolling, so you spread out all your bets and you're just looking forward to the momentum just keeping going and keeping making you money. I mean, that, to some degree, that's what the stock market, that's a big metric for the stock market. How's the big economy doing? How many jobs are we creating? Are they good jobs? Are the average work weeks improving? Are the hourly earnings improving? Um, you know, like you, you're suggesting that the, the labor market, the employment cup may be full. Those are usually really good signs for, um, the stock market. Well, likewise, when you get such a bummer report, um, you'd have to say, Hey, what is, what's the deal? Is this going to be the new norm? Is, are things scary? Are we good? Whatever. Um, the Dow finished up yesterday down 
1.72 points. That's like flat. You know, we're used to seeing the Dow move 40, 60, 100 points in a day. 22,773, basically flat. Not scared of that number a little bit. By the way, the continues to be record highs at the end of like every session. Yeah, I this see is it. Kind of wild. My iris statement. Are you loving that? Yeah, it's a great, <laughs> great year to be socking money away in an IRA or four hundred one k. Yeah, it's good. One of the guys I helped buy a house earlier this year said that he thought that the market was overcooked, just being too optimistic, and that it was unsustainable. These crazy numbers in the election year and kind of cited several other election cycles and sounded like he was well-researched. So what he did was he pulled out a loan against Desira, which would effectively sideline that money, right? And then used that loan to buy some real estate. So that's interesting. So with these, this the market's at an all time high. Dan, are you going to move that to cash or no? Are you are you going to move it to less risky and less volatile investments? No. You're just gonna, you're just going to stay the course and just believe that it's just up is the only way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just want to ignore it for twenty or thirty years. What if you moved your happens? whole? Every investment you had in the in the market in 2006, you moved over into cash. That would have been smart. And then in 2008 or nine, you just put it all right back in. It would have been brilliant. Avoid the half and then catch the double up. You would have been, boy. Yeah. That's yeah. almost as good as having um, Biff's sport book in uh, right back, back to, to the future. future. Totally. Yeah. But darn it, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and when the Dow was down so low, you remember that? Yeah. 6,500 or whatever it was? Yeah. You were sitting there going, how long can this thing go? Yeah. And then and then, how long will it take to get back to 14,000? Yeah, forever. If ever. If ever. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We said those kinds of things. Same thing, your house. You know, you sit here and go, oh, this guy bought a house for 550 grand. In 2006, now it's worth 300 grand or whatever. Is this guy going to get that money back ever? Is that like when you buy that jalopy car, but the payment, you just, the payment outlasts the motor for years, forever? <laughs> so now you have to get another car, but you have to pay the payment on the other car that doesn't run? I thought that's what the real estate market was doing. But then, hey, check that out. Everything came back. The only people that really got super hammered were the people that sold out of those accounts, those investment accounts. I have some broker buddies that said they got those phone calls when the Dow hit like 7,000. That's it. Get me out. I don't want anything in there. Uh, It's a perfectly wrong time to sell your entire position. If it goes back up, it's not going to go back up. My friend says it's going to 3500 Whoops. Crazy, crazy. It is. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, so anyhow, just like normal, we'll be looking forward for the next couple of months to see what happens. 
see if it's the beginning of a weaker trend. See if it's just the the storm pushing the markets around. We'll just have to wait and see. That's it. Hurry up and wait, as my dad would say. Do you think this kind of negative jobs report is enough to prevent the Fed from doing a a rate hike in December, which was widely expected? Well, you got to remember, they're going to get to see an October and a November reading before then. Yeah. So, yes, it is. You're right, Dan. It's it's greater than a 50% chance the market anticipates a December rate hike. And then I think right now, from what I'm seeing, we're we're being prepped for three hikes in 2018. But um, I think it's too early to say whether or not this jobs report is going to push those um, that rate hike around at all because, yeah, you're going to have an October reading and a November reading. So what if October and November just uh, prove to be super healing, you know? Like, I, I actually wonder that if if a lot of these jobs were lost because of the storms, then are we setting ourselves up for the month of um, October here to have job gains of 300,000 where you'd you didn't get any of them in this previous month's period. In fact, you lost some, and then the next time you get them all, and then some. And what does that do to the market? So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but we'll definitely track it and see. But yeah, the that four point two unemployment rate's got guys like you thinking maybe this is the real deal. That's for sure. All right, we got to do a commercial break here. We got five minutes for the top of the hour break. We'll be back and uh, hope that you'll join us. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. article here dan that um talks a little bit about simple strategies to boost your savings i know you're always looking for ways to boost your savings yeah this is relevant for us because you know obviously we're we're a finance company we want people to be able to be in a the best possible position to 
buy a house when they're ready or yeah there's an element of financial advising to the loan pre-qualification or just consultation process yeah and i think it's it's probably really a little bit a broader view kind of the bigger chunkier i I guess financial planning might not be right budgeting yeah budget common sense budgeting probably um so here you go Employee Benefit Research Institute surveyed people and found out that uh, the majority of people could save more but don't. (laughs) I don't think you needed a survey for that. Everybody probably could save more but doesn't, even the people that are saving. Yeah. The trouble is people are making too many financial commitments. A car loan, a gym membership housing they can't really afford. These things are sabotaging people's ability to save. So the suggestion here is to follow some simple rules of thumb to keep you out of the the problem here. Mm. Spend no more than 30% of your income on housing. Yeah. That's reasonable. It's hard to do if you can't control what your house costs. Yeah. And a lot of people... I don't think can really control what they make. So that one, I mean, I get it, but they're using that old um, 50, 30, 20 budget. 50% of afterpay tax goes to necessities such as mortgage, rent, insurance, food, student loans. 30% goes to things like wants. Those are your gym, vacation, Starbucks. 20% of your after tax dollar, of course, should go into savings. Mm. but problem is and i we see this after tax dollar yeah like basically you take your net pay and break it into the 50 30 20 wow save you know and i've always heard too that you should save first yeah if your take-home pay is 3200 bucks a month you should be throwing 640 into the savings and then no more than a thousand bucks on housing but really, if you're taking home thirty two hundred, you're probably making closer to. It'd be sixteen hundred. Would be fifty percent. But yeah. Well, but that was for more than just mortgage. Correct. That was for. But this mortgage is what I'm, was about a third. This is what I'm suggesting: is that round here, it makes up more that well, you're well, right I, out of the gate. You see, people are spending forty or fifty percent of their gross. That's what I'm saying. Income. I'm I'm trying to back into what's the <laughs> what's the um, housing percentage based on gross income. If if you're bringing home three thousand dollars or thirty two hundred, I think is what you said. You're probably making gross like four thousand forty five hundred a month. And if you're only spending that thousand or eleven hundred dollars on housing then you're really more like a 25 percent of your gross wages on housing which i mean how many people are qualifying for homes for for whether it's refi or purchase how many people's debt ratio the housing only ratio is 25 percent or less i'd venture to say not many not many in fact you seem special to me when you have that circumstance so that just doesn't seem like a realistic guideline perhaps it's um you know our area is different because it it is that coastal california yeah california California coastal california coastal california yeah 
I mean, maybe maybe that's why. Maybe this metric works. This, this guideline of spending works in other parts of California or other states. Well, and man, if you live in California, then there's also lots to do too, and there's year-round weather in which to do it. So there's there's constraints on the other other parts of your your budget too. I like the idea at the heart of it is to um, save more money, to have a dialogue to get people to think about opportunities to save more money. Um, we offer a, a, an IRA match at our company. Does you you do you're more intimately involved in the payroll than I am? Does a hundred percent of the employees participate and contribute to that IRA? No. No? A third. A third of them do? Maybe a quarter. A third to a, qu- a quarter to a third. And of that third to a quarter, are they doing the maximum? No. So you didn't... Most are not. <sighs> 10% do the maximum. That's disappointing. I've always thought you... um no matter what it is, if you can only, you know, you can only bring yourself to do 10 bucks a month or something, do something. Yeah. But yeah, see, this is the problem is that a lot of people just don't, they're not set up to save um, at all. Just the budget is don't run out of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't go to zero or beyond. That's the budget. Um you know, you look at, go talk to people that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Most all of them will tell that young person to save money. Save money. Spend less money. Save money. You'll be thankful you did. It's perhaps a loss today. Um, the other thing this guys were saying is that... Um, Interestingly enough, millennials are um, beginning to be more attracted to prenuptial agreements. Hmm. Yeah, so as as this generation is moving... Um, it's hard late... to split up a tiny house, so you got to get it in writing <laughs> before. Right. <laughs> You've been watching too many tiny house shows. <laughs> Well, because they're getting married later in life, they're more likely to have careers, businesses, property, um, you know, things that have made them want to be more protective of the wealth they've accumulated. So there's an um, increase in the number of couples seeking prenups. Hmm. I think the prenup thing, and in these guys, they're kind of describing how it had some taboo on it for a few years there. Um, yeah, it was, I think, associated with a lack of trust or something. Kind of. Or like you're already planning the demise of the relationship. Or I'm just leaving the, <laughs> I'm just leaving the door cracked. Yeah, right. You know, we, you know, we don't have to go through the door, but right out of the gate, you're kind of like, no, I love you, baby, forever. You're my everything. Nothing will ever come between us. If it should. <laughs> <laughs> if you'll just sign right here. Yeah. <laughs> But I thought I'm talking but, prenups. I was on yeah, the studio. Yeah, for a totally. Yeah. But uh-huh. in what circumstances would we split up? You know, 
None. That's the, Would you cheat on me? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, no. It's almost like you don't trust the person from the beginning. That's what Dan said. So why, you know, get involved with the person? Yeah. Now? And you're just, yeah, it's like yeah. you're... You're just leaving that little, albeit it's a it's a really yeah. really really small chance, but it's just leaving that <laughs> the, the it's leaving room for the possibility mm-hmm. of failure. Yeah. Do what I did. Oh. If you get engaged when you're 19 and get married when you're 20, you don't have to have a prenup because <laughs> we we each had like a two thousand dollar car and no money in the bank. Yeah. What do you want to do a prenup? For? No responsibilities, really. My sneakers. So, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, that's a another interesting component is that we're seeing more prenups. They made this other weird thing part of this savings thing too that said that um, identification protect uh, protection. I'm not even positive how it's completely relevant. I got. I told you that my name came up on that search. On the Equifax breach? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you saw they upgraded it from $143 million. Now it's like, I don't know. They found another 3 or $4 million people that were affected. Mm. So yeah, I found my name on the list. Here's your update. I went to the website, I think it's Trusted ID, something like this, put in my name. They want six digits of your social security number, which is interesting. When was the last time you were asked by a database to provide six digits of your social? That's kind of a rare thing, huh? Never? Well, ironically, (laughs) these guys that can't be trusted with your stuff need you to give them six digits to figure out if you're you. So I did that. So whatever. Here's my six digits. And they said, you are. You are affected. Uh, We believe your name was part of the compromised names. So enroll in the the trusted ID service, which is going to, it allowed me to kind of look at a credit view of mine that felt like a lot of those other consumer credit things. And... um, I couldn't see anything that's wrong. Well, over the last two days, I've been getting these alerts that there's activity that I should be concerned with. And now it's not um, not very helpful for me. One of them said that somebody had run my credit. And I'm like, well, I don't, I didn't run my credit, but we get our credit run a lot for work. So I'm like, well, eh, I hope it was one of the ones I authorized. So we'll see. Hope I don't get my identity stolen. That would suck. Mess. What a mess. Did you go check if you were on the list? I didn't. You don't even care? Damn. I checked mine. I told, did I tell you? I feel like sometimes I repeat myself. I checked mine and then it said yes. And so I'm like, well, naturally, it's one out of every two Americans, right? Um, I happen to know six digits of my wife's social security number. So I put in her name and her six digit social said, you're not compromised. You just go to Equifax's website to do that. Yeah, I think it was, uh, no, it was like, um, Equifax security 
2017 or something like that. And then there's a there's a link where you am I impacted? Yeah, click that link, and then it'll end up asking you to um, last name and the last six digits of your social. Yeah, let's see. Dan, are you part of it? I am not a robot. Oh yeah, you gotta not not be a robot first. Read it out loud. May have been impacted. Ba- thank you. Based on the information provided, we believe that your personal information may have been impacted by this incident. You're on the list, dude. Click the button below to continue your enrollment in the in Trusted ID Premier. Mm-hmm. And what does Trusted ID Premier do? Well, ordinarily, it's a paid service. So this is a freed service here, and you can um, monitor. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to set up an account where you're going to put your contact information in there. It can be an email and a cell phone number, and they will email you and or text you if any unusual activity begins on your credit profile. And also with that, you could lock and unlock your Equifax credit. So these guys who just got hacked with all of my sensitive information are asking me to give my name, date of birth, social security number, address. <laughs> Interesting. Yes, they are. And and I should trust this because? Well, that's the irony of it. But if you don't trust it, so and here's my understanding of what this site is doing, by the way. They monitor and... This is a little bit of a head spinner, but evidently the places where your stuff would be advertised for sale, they can scan these things and see if those metrics that you're entering right now match what's out there for sale. (laughs) This is wild. If you know where they are and you know where they exist, how come we can't take them down? Right. All right. They're processing my information. You will receive an email with a link to finalize your enrollment and activate my product. Yeah, and that can take a couple days. But ordinarily, there's a fee for locking and unlocking your credit. So in this case, it sounds like because you're on that list and you're, you know, potentially compromised, I think it's going to end up where you're going to get this service free for life. Hmm. <gasps> Yeah, so you'll be able to to keep track of your credit, at least see, you'll, you know, get a text alert if someone runs your credit. I find that the credit cards are pretty sensitive to that stuff. I mean, there's a couple times where I've tried to buy something and the, it won't go through. And then um, I get a call, you know, within the half hour where someone's like, yeah, we noticed someone was trying to buy something at Home Depot for 500 bucks. I'm like, yeah, it was me. It was really inconvenient. <laughs> I appreciate what you're doing. I had to use another credit card. Yeah, luckily I had another credit card that wasn't <laughs> yeah. seeing that as a problem. Yeah, my primary card now is a Capital One card, and I have the app. And um, it pretty regularly will just check on a purchase, you know, especially where... There's ones like, you know, I had one last month at, for work where we bought software for $8,000 plus, and I got a, I got a pop-up immediately that said, is this, is this good? And it was like, there's like a yes or a no button. And I say yes, and it's like, thanks, everything's normal. I did this one time when uh, I went out of state, and it was like a place I normally don't go. Yeah. So I, and it, I was kind of upset when I 
my bank or one of my credit cards anyway. Um, because I was going to be in Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. And they were like, well, we don't really pay much attention to that unless you're out of, it goes out of the country. Ah, well, I don't usually go to Montana, Wyoming, or Idaho. Years back, I had I mean, a, I had know, a Wells I mean, Fargo card that used to yeah. shut down every time I left, like, the county. Yeah. And so then I ended up having to call them, you know? I'm yeah. going to be in I know, well, that's place. what I was doing. It was just like, well, thanks for the heads up, but normally we don't Interesting. worry about that. And I'm like, well, usually I'm not in Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. So I'd be kind of worried if I started having have some you ever been, up there. Yeah, well, have you ever been, like, hacked, too, where you somebody gets your number and empties your bank account? No. It happened to me one time. Yeah. It was a bummer. It was a real bummer. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, you know, of all of these little things that attempt to keep you safe, uh, I feel like it's good. I'm glad that there's some monitoring happening, um, some of these preventative measures. But yeah, it because it's such a hassle when you do get hacked, lose it all. I got my email here from Act, uh, Trusted ID Premier. Yep, it's going to give me copies of my Equifax credit report. Yep, it's going to do credit file monitoring and automated alerts yep. of key changes to all three bureaus. Good. It's going to allow me to prevent access to my Equifax credit report by third parties. Yep. It's going to do social security number monitoring and $1 million identity theft insurance. Wow. And that's going to be available to me for 12 months from the day I activate. Yeah. And I heard too that there was going forward, um, there would be potentially that's going to get extended because of the extent of these um this breach wow so everyone should do this there's no reason not to you get this free but minimum of a year of protection dan yeah i've been talking about this for two weeks i know and but- i had to all but beg you to go put your name in there now look and Jim's- well, it was so easy i i did it right and jim here. still hasn't even done it look at him he's fidgeting with the headphones cable doesn't even care that this service is out there for free for him. Well, I just did it. It was so easy. Yeah. So, again, for those of you wanting, now you're listening. Did your ears perk up? By the way, I had calls from several clients after we talked about this on the radio show a couple weeks ago um, that called and said, okay, what did you do? What do I need to do? Um, and, guys, those of you that know me well, I'm not the kind of person that that worries about things like this too much. I'm not a... You know, one of the the weird conspiracy theorists that just jumps at this stuff fast. This Equifax data breach is literally like one out of every two Americans. I mean, do the math. So your chances of being on there are relatively high. And um, it's not hard at all. So if you go to, um, I just typed in Equifax Security 2017. Go to that link. Equifax Security 2017, and then just follow the clicks. It took, like, Dan, you just did this while multitasking in less than a couple of minutes. Um, And like I said, I got three alerts so far on mine. Hmm. We get our credit run a lot for work. And in in fact, 
with all of the banks that we work with, they, they keep track of our credit to make sure that we're not doing something personally that could jeopardize our business. But that being said, I get my credit run oftentimes without even knowing about it. So right now I have my profile unlocked and, um, I mean, it, it alerted me by text at two o'clock this morning that my credit was run and it was run by factual data, business type in a, so, man, I don't know. Think that's bad, Dan? Tough to say. The inquiries that happened on the 5th said that they were mortgage reporters that checked my credit two different times on the 5th. So I imagine that those were probably investors. But the same the same one that happened yesterday says that it was business type NA. And I could lock my report, but that's going to cause problems. Do you want me to lock my report? Then every time you fill out a package or something, I'm going to have to unlock this thing. That's just going to be a pain in the booty. Well, anyhow. All right. Jim, are you making your way to EquifaxSecurity2017.com? I, I have not yet. What are you waiting for? I will. <laughs> you will? I will. You seem like you're just, you don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. I Well, I think it probably is. It's a big it's deal. Fun. Yeah. I encourage everybody to go check it out. It is the middle of the hour, which means we only have a half an hour to go. That's right. It's exciting. We're three-fourths of the way through the show. It's exciting. Do you got big plans today? Not really. Dan, big plans today? You checking your credit right now? Look at him. He's. You can see him. He's like nodding. Got that satisfied look. Looking down there. All those things just as expected. Feeling good, yeah. Balance, no new account, nothing weird. Dan gets a lot of quiet time over there. So Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, just was impressed with how easy that was. Good. All right, we're going to do a commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. We'll be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-39608. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. George Harrison, but Tom Petty, Prince, Jeff Lynn, and Donnie Harrison, uh, George's son, playing on that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Steve won one, too. I figured you were going to play so much Tom Petty today. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. That's right. I was driving this morning. And I was thinking, well, here's what happened. You want to know what happened, Jim? What's that? I was going to wear one of like my old uh, dead T-shirts this morning. Mm. My favorite old, old, old one is now getting holy enough <laughs> that I have very. I have to. I have to wear it sparingly because at some point it's going to just disintegrate. Disintegrate. Yeah. And so I was thinking, you know, Jim should probably be like the standard standby for our show should be like some cool dead songs. That's right. And I was going to say, I was, I was going to tell Jim, you know what, bud, you need to start getting some, better at putting dead, dead songs, songs in the music. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, um, you know what, we should write it into the contract. Song. We should write it into Jim the contract. Jim has to play dead songs. Yes. <laughs> that on every non-holiday... <laughs> When coming back from breaks, that Jim, yeah. Jim should have to pay cool dead songs. Dead songs. And then, um, as soon as I was like, so I'm just I'm driving and thinking about this, just kind of laughing to myself. And then I was like, yeah. oh, but today's gonna be. I'm not even gonna say to play any because today is all some, about Tom Petty. Songs. I'm gonna get some dead songs on. Cool <laughs> dead songs kind of sounds like an oxymoron to me. Yeah, it's like a jumbo I, shrimp. 
<laughs> no, I like the dead. I like the de- grateful, the grateful just, dead. Just twisting your arm a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about this? <laughs> There's a great track from uh, you probably find it on YouTube, but um, mm-hmm. Tom Petty played um, some Grateful Dead songs. Well, let me see if I can find some Tom Petty yeah. to play some great Grateful Dead songs. Yeah, Let's put it out here, and we'll take that last break here in a little bit. Good. All right, Are you all done now? Yeah. You're good over there? Well, I can't log into the Equifax thing to do all the stuff you were doing, waiting for a password to arrive. Yeah, so that was the one thing, and that um, that password, I think, you know, basically I got this um, 24 or 48 hours or something after I set up, but I think it's because there's so many people that are impacted by this that they're just working their way through the list. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyhow, good luck. Hopefully you don't end up on the hacked list, man. Yeah. That'd be the bummer. I was looking. I was looking here. wanted to tell you about some uh, other things. This week I saw it floating around too. Um, Los Osos has got their property tax bills. Um, those new property tax bills for 2017 and 2018 came out on October 1st. Mm-hmm. And so now these are reflecting the full amount for the sewer assessment. So there's a lot of people in Los Osos right now that are getting some tax bills that are going, what? Well, yeah, I remember we talked about this not too long ago. And uh, got in trouble, right? Well, we got we just made sure that we were clear in the information we were giving. And, um, you know, this stuff's been known and posted on the county website for a long time now. And, you know, the scheduled increases have been there. You know, you you got your information's been available. So you got your sewer assessment on there now. But Mm -hmm. what's new is you've got the um, property's winter water usage is now on there for your annual sewer bill. That's right. So they use, uh, I think it was a one or two month period of water usage and they annualized that out and assessed you based on that usage. And they were actually trying to choose a period of time where it wasn't like your midsummer heaviest water usage time of year. They're trying to use a time where your water usage was a little more modest. That's nice of them. So it seemed like they're, you know, there's trying to be as fair, fair of an as assessment possible. as possible. Yeah. Cause you know, they can just raise them over time. Speaking of which, you guys over in Mor- Morro Bay the c- had picked a sewer site, right? Like- yeah, that it seemed like, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to say two election cycles ago, there was a, a pretty big changeover in the, the representatives on city council. Some new new blood was added to council, and a lot those people ran on you know their ideas for the the sewer the re- water reclamation facility and where it should be and how much it should cost and all that stuff and and so that group decided to move away from the existing site and set their sights on some other properties um that were away from the coastline and ultimately i think it was just 
last late last year they decided on a site off of South Bay Boulevard um, and and Highway One. Uh, what is, I guess that would be the north side of Highway One, um, a site over there, and and then um, there's a group in Morro Bay that was you know petitioning city council to reevaluate that, that it was going to be too expensive and it was going to make the water sewer bills unaffordable for many of the residents. So they went back and reevaluated it. And ultimately at the last city council meeting decided that they were um, going to move forward with that selected site uh, at South Bay Boulevard. And one of the things was really the the timeline um, because they were awarded a loan. um, Was it the EPA? I think it might have been the EPA. It was one of the the agencies that awarded the city of Morro Bay a low interest loan, low interest financing, but they had to um, apply for it by either July or August of 2018. And there's some reports and studies that need to be done in order to just submit like that application. What happened in Los Osos. Right. So they, if if they were going to then, it sounded like if they were going to consider other sites, that it would push them to the point where they they. M- m- it didn't look like they were going to be able to get that application in on time and they would lose out now. So in order to keep on the path of obtaining that financing, uh, moving forward with the South Bay site made the most sense. Okay. So it's not moving. uh, No, 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 no. Yeah. They've decided to stick with that site. They selected last year, which is the South Bay North of highway one site. Um, and that will enable them to do whatever studies they need to do and get that application in on time to secure that low interest financing. And is that's the property then that's like north of Highway 1? It's kind of behind the senior center as you're approaching Morro Bay. Or oh. is it that um, there's assisted like a, living yeah, facility type of thing? Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's back there. There's like a little valley. Kind like of a if valley? you could draw an imaginary line, if, if South that's Bay continued good place north. for it. Yeah, it would be up there. Last I thought it was going to get plunked in right at like the 41. That was there were other sites considered off of Highway 41. Um yeah, there were I I want to say there were anywhere from 3 to 5 different sites that were off of the waterfront um that were being considered but for various a lot of them got excluded from consideration mostly because of resident complaints. Like, I know there was one, another site that the council really preferred called the Rigetti site. I'm not exactly sure where that one was. I, I assume it was off 41. Um, but I guess residents were threatening um, legal action against that one that was going to be take too long, cause problems with the low interest financing. And, and so they shied away from that site due to the legal, potential legal battle. So, and how relieved yeah. are those people? Yeah, I mean, I mean they're that they didn't. Nobody want it, so really they're... wants the sewer like dropped in right next to them, or even like near them. Yeah, it's true. Although they say that modern modern uh, facilities do a really good job of masking smell, and the footprint they take up is much smaller than older sites. What type of Think plant of... are they talking about putting in? Looking for a tertiary okay. um, design with a water recycling feature. I was just think about the fact that this station just moved from near the right sewage treatment plant here in San Luis, so I don't know. 
And if you guys ever, have you ever been on like one of the tertiary treatment facility tours before? No, but I've been to the existing Morabay plant and walked that side before. It's pretty sweet. It's like an organic-ish process, but much of it has to do with like, you know, you separate the solid matter from the liquid matter. That needs to like dry out typically in the sun before Mm -hmm. it can be trucked away. And then the liquid matter gets like irrigated over aerated and then irrigated over a, a you know a rock bed essentially yeah they're even saying some of it's supposed to be potable water water afterwards i'm not uh, so if sure you go if through that's that, what they're talking but, about but, yeah. is reusing some of that water for you know non-drinking water purposes for- yeah like budweiser I think, yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, I probably am not accurate about that, but I remember something before. Sorry, about, Kathy. Budweiser's on line one. Yeah, <laughs> they, they like, had <laughs> they had like uh, they were using reused water. <laughs> No uh, disparaging comments about yeah. companies that can squash us. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been on the? Um, the one in slow, either of you guys? I've I've been near it and definitely smelt it before. Yeah, but if you yeah, go on... To, yeah, we used to have our station <laughs> over by it. No, but if you go on the tour, though, I've been on the tour, and at the end, the tour guide takes his glass and sticks it under the discharge into the creek, and then drinks it right there. And you're like, dude, we just yeah. were like... When you're walking past all the parts back there, man, yeah, it's awfully like this is all like it's confident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not Check so sure out. I have the confidence to do that. Anybody but. else in here want to try it? I'm like, yeah. I could be in a desert for a day. I don't think I'm trying that. I'm going to take my odds at splitting open a coconut or something. <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah, there's uh, That's hopefully a new, a new plant in the works in Morro Bay. Good. Be nice. It's about time. Get those costs down, hopefully, too. It's expensive. What's wrong with the current plant? It's outdated. It, oh, it's like, you know, it's, potential tsunami area or something, too, right? Is yeah. that kind of And on thing? some days when there's, I think, a lot of rain and stuff, it are, it has problems keeping up, handling the. I, I guess it gets, um, it has a, some kind of exemption on fines that it should normally be being assessed because it's not able to handle what it's taking in on oh. on certain days. So there's okay. just problems with it, I think. Yeah. It's old. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Ready for the final commercial break? I believe so. Jim, I got a text over here that said uh, mm-hmm. during the break they could hear us talking over the commercials. Oh, maybe one of the mics didn't shut off. Oh. Sorry about that. I think it shouldn't be. Now we know who Dan's picking oh. for fantasy football. Oh. Shouldn't have. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. All right. Final Sorry commercial break time. See if you'd hear us talking over this break. But we'll be back in a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. 
Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I know what that is. It just has a long intro. I was just wondering if Tom Petty was going to sing the lyrics. There it is. I was kidding earlier, by the way. I know you were. Just giving you a hard time. I know. We made Jason happy here. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. <laughs> Disappointed I never got to see Tom Petty. Yeah, I've seen him one. I saw him yeah. one time at the fair. It's good. Yeah, I was trying to think. I don't think I ever saw Tom Petty. Feel like I should have, man. Oh, what yeah, it feels definitely. like a no-brainer. I was trying to think. I went to yeah. a bridge school yeah. concert, but I don't, I don't um, think he's there. I saw Paul McCartney and, of course, Neil Young, but I don't. Yeah, that wasn't a Tom Petty event. I don't think so. Hmm. Well, I'd like to see Paul McCartney in concert. It's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I felt mm-hmm. like I was checking off a bucket list item when I saw that. Totally, and that was years ago. Yeah, there you go. He's uh, he's played Bridge School before. 
Yeah, I figure. So we'd have to try to nail down the year. Yeah, I wondered the same thing. Because that would have been, I know I never went to just the Tom Petty show, but I'm trying to think back to the festivals and things like that. But anyhow. Yeah. That was cool. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. See? I figured it out. The problem was I was trying to find a really good version of that video, too. Yeah. Some not so good out there. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Well, so what's the uh, what's the local housing market feeling like right now? Are we getting into that time of year where things cool down, or is activity still pretty? I got to tell you, hot and heavy. The majority of people that I meet with seem concerned about that, values. Yeah, and that the the market feels like. Um, it's really competitive. The um, unfortunately, you don't have a lot of time to think about things still. So you're in this kind of pressure cooker where if you find a house you like, you have a really small window. You better be prepared to make an aggressive offer quickly. <laughs> and you know, I think pressure cooker is the perfect term for it. I mean, that's a, like a, the you're gone are the days of getting any kind of time to really consider these things. And this is true in most of the market here locally. Um, and I think that that's, that just because you know that you're, you're getting into that environment when you hop into this market, you're just from day one, everyone tells you that. And then you, you go in and you experience that and it's difficult. I mean, we, it's not uncommon today. Um, I mean, I had a transaction this last week where the borrowers um, and the realtor is one that I really respect, made the remark to the buyers that, um, you know, it might, you might just need to write an offer and then make sure that you're serious. Because it's like, if you don't, it somebody else will. And that just that sentiment in the market i think is just overwhelming and it just keeps driving things um we last week on the show i leafed some through those uh keith bird stats that talk about um days on market as well as percentage of list price that homes are selling for the marketing times are short and dropping and the sales prices are getting 98ish percent on average in our county of list price so like I said, you've got to know that that's the environment that you're hopping into. So almost every client that comes into my office feels that. They feel that heat and that pressure, and they're trying to do the best they can to, to hop in there and get comfy with it. But if that makes it a tight market. That makes it hard. The other thing I th- I think about often is the property tax side. You know, I, I think about people who... Are, have owned homes. They're retired. They own their homes. They own them free and clear. And it's. It, I just think, gosh, how awesome it must be to have that free and clear house where, yeah, I mean, I guess you have property taxes and homeowner's insurance, but, you know, once you've paid off your mortgage, I mean, it's virtually like living rent-free, right? Your property taxes are a couple hundred bucks a month maybe. But then I think about new buyers today buying homes. I mean, the median house, house price in San Luis County is somewhere at north of 500,000, but truly in some of these neighborhoods, um, 
you know, an entry level home, six or seven hundred thousand dollars. When you buy that type of house, which is entry level in some of these you cities, you could have property tax of seven hundred fifty bucks a month. I'd say, yeah, just round round numbers. I mean, close to a thousand dollars a month in property taxes and homeowners insurance. That's never going away, and it's only going to go up. So that's crazy. I mean, you, someday you'll pay off that huge mortgage, and you'll still have a thousand dollars a month to well, just plus maintain your insurance that plus your maintenance. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something to think about. But you know what's funny is um, oftentimes I think most of the people that have that good Prop 13 tax base, um, they don't actually fully realize the difference because they get a tax bill. No matter what your tax bill is, people are rarely happy with it. They pay the taxes when they're due because the penalties are, you know, seem egregious. And there are taxes. Okay, well, they don't know. You know, that person that has that sweet Prop 13 tax base of like 25 years ago, they're paying 1500 bucks a year for property tax and slow. They don't know that their neighbor is paying 6000 bucks a year. So they don't have that context or and 12, they and so 50. they don't care. Like, so they don't know to be grateful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually working with a client this week that got into escrows, um, attempting to move a property tax base. So that's an option. Um, there's information on the county's website if you're needing that, but they'll let you move your tax base one time. What is that? It's uh, like Prop 60 or something? Uh, prop is 61? It, is it Prop 60 or Prop 58? Something like that. Um, This is the... Property tax transfer, California, property transfer, California, what are we? Prop, Prop 60. 60. You were right. Started in 1986, allows for a one-time transfer yeah. for a replacement property of equal or lesser value. Yeah, so the idea is... It's a move down. Yeah, like I'm, it's the downsizing, the empty nester downsizing. So you've got a twenty five hundred square foot house, you know, in the cool school district because you did it with the kids in mind and the whole thing, and it's worth a million bucks, and it's two stories, and it's four bedrooms, and it's all a thing. Um, but now you're hitting this point in life where you know what the missus and I are going to grab a condo in town because I don't want to take care of a yard anymore. I don't need all these bedrooms anymore. I get a condo. But the condo, you know, if my house is worth a million bucks, the condo's worth six hundred grand. If I just go get a new tax rate, my taxes could double or triple, even though the house is worth less. But in Slow County, we honor that tax base transfer. So if you're over fifty five, you're buying down in value, transfer tax base, you get that cool tax base you've always enjoyed. It allows people I don't I don't like the term right size as much as or downsize as much as I like the term right size. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, go look into it if this piques your curiosity, because there are counties that also participate in moving tax base from county to county. It's not everyone. There's like eight counties yeah. in California that do that. So kind of cool. But yeah, the taxes are definitely something to contend with. And I also think because it's something that is forever, it takes careful care in making that decision of whether or not you understand it and if you should be doing what you're thinking of doing. Um, hey, guys, if you need any loan help at all, give us a call this week at the office. One number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626.
or you can find us on the web. We're at centralcoastlending.com. Um, there you can, yeah, read about us, look at the loan officers, kind of get a little better idea of what we do and the products we offer. You could also fill out a loan application there if you're so inclined, and then we'll get it and call you um, on Monday, talk about maybe getting you in for a consultation where we can visit the idea of uh, whether you have the best loan for you to accomplish your financial goals or um, if there's something else you might just do differently. So give us a call at 543-LOAN or find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks much for being with us.